The Lord be with you. And your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, o Lord. Jesus said to his disciples. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will place the sheep at his right hand, but the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, O blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see thee hungry, and feed thee, or thirsty, and give thee drink? And when did we see thee a stranger, and welcome thee, or naked, and clothe thee? And when did we see thee sick, or in prison, and visit thee? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when did we see thee hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to thee? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it not to one of these the least to one of the least of these you did it not to me and they will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life the gospel of the lord so we come to the end of ordinary time as we prepare ourselves to enter into Advent, and as always, we we close with the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, universal King. So we celebrate the beautiful and wonderful kingship of Jesus Christ, and it starts with a reading from the prophet Ezekiel. So remember the prophet Ezekiel, this is written around the year 600 B.C., and uh, this is written, remember, after they have been taken away in the first wave of the uh, Babylonian exile. And so what should have happened for Jerusalem has not happened. Jerusalem was supposed to become this city to which all the nations and all the worlds, uh, the whole world would be gathered uh, towards the beauty of this city and of its temple. And so that was the expectation. But then because of the failure of the people, so because of the failure of the people, but also especially of the shepherds, what we see here is that then eventually the Lord permits for this to happen. And so the temple, which was kind of the, the, the central aspect of their life, or at least should have been, is burnt down. The city is destroyed. 
and the people are now being taken away in these waves of exile. So there'll be three waves of exile. And so it's from this perspective that the prophet Ezekiel, who was himself a temple priest, um, is now prophesying to the people. But it is this prophecy here where he has just kind of, there's been this rebuke of the shepherds who have not done all of these things in terms of keeping uh, the shepherding of the people as the Lord willed them. The Lord now promises in his mercy that he himself will come. So where there was human failure, the Lord will come himself and he will make up for uh, the failures on the part of his people. And so the Lord will come as not only the king, but also the shepherd of his people, the care that he has, the love that he has for his people. And so this kingship of Christ that we celebrate today, this feast day, it was instituted by the church in the early, in the early 20th century. And it was a response on the part of the church to all the rise in the world of all of these human attempts for ultimate authority, particularly the, t the totalitarian dictatorships, right? And so the church was saying, no, authority and ultimate authority is, not, is under Christ and under Christ the King. And so he is this ultimate authority to which every other human institution, every other human government is subject according to its laws because Christ himself is that ultimate authority. He is the creator of all things. He is also then the governor uh, and the Lord of all things as well. And so it is his authority that was being asserted by the church through the institution of this feast. And so it is this authority that we celebrate and also that we place ourselves humbly under. And so then what we have in the second reading is a reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians which is showing that the fulfillment of this promise that was given through the prophet Ezekiel has been through Christ himself, that he is the one who has come to shepherd his people and lead them from exile through death, right? So he is this one who has gone through this exile. He is the first fruits of this new creation. He is the one who has gone through death for our sake, the shepherd who has led us through the darkness into light. And so as he sits gloriously enthroned in the kingdom of heaven, he is our king. He is also our shepherd who is leading his people to this promised land whereby his people can pasture and be pastured and be fed and be cared for um, by this wonderful good shepherd. And so he is this, for these first fruits of his people. And he is the one who then governs his people and the one who then shepherds us and cares for us. And so it is in this context then that we come to the gospel for today where the Lord is giving both a warning and a promise. And so what was prophesied through all of the prophets as a type of a vision of what would happen on the last day, the Lord now speaks of it as a historical event. His prophecy is complete and perfect. He is the one who will come back and judge. He knows that judgment. He sees that judgment as God. And so he prophesies as this coming historical event for his people, whereby the nations and all the nations will be judged in his presence. And so he speaks to them. He says, when the Son of Man comes in glory. When? Not if, not maybe, but when the Son of Man comes in glory, all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And so it is this beautiful and profound image of the coming of Christ in his glory to earth, and that will spark the judgment of peoples. And what some of the commentators point out is that simply his presence is a judgment. As soon as the Lord is enthroned in glory, what happens? There is an immediate judgment over his people, and everything that was in the darkness is brought into the light. And so all of the inner state of our souls, of who we are, is made manifest in the radiance of the glorious Christ. 
And so what happens is that simply by his presence and by his light, the darkness and the light are separated also in his own people. And so you have the separation of the people according to those who have lived interiorly in the darkness or those who have continued the works of the shepherd, those who continue his love, those who continue his shepherding of his people. And so there is this division that happens, which is the final judgment in the presence of Christ as to those who are his and those who are not. And so now if we want to be his, we must fulfill the works that he has set out for us. And the works are simple. It is to be present where there is need, right? To be present where there is need. One commentator I was reading last night, I thought it was very interesting. He does kind of a lot of the study of the Greek words, which I find quite fascinating. And so he says here, um, with what the Lord says, specifically with regards to uh, the explanation when he is questioned as to when did we see thee in all of these states. And he says to them, uh, what you did to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Sometimes it gets translated as what you did for one of the least of my brethren, you did to me. But the word there in the Greek is specifically to. And what this commentator was pointing out is that that is important. And so the example that he gives is he says, let's say, for instance, I have a book for one of the sisters and I give it to someone else to give to them. Well, I've had no contact with the sisters. The person that I have had contact with is the person that I gave the book to. And so what we have here is even though something might be for someone, in order to have that physical contact or what, uh, that presence, that is what is indicated by the word to. I give it to them. I do it to them. And that shows that there is a presence, an immediacy, a contact that happens. And so what the Lord is showing here is that just as he has come to his people and he has been present to each of us, to each of us, he has been here with us, and he continues that presence through the beautiful mystery of the Blessed Sacrament, where the Lord is present to his people, each individually. In the moment of Holy Communion, that reaches its ultimate fulfillment, where the Lord is most truly present to each of us. He is there in contact with us. He is ministering to us. He feeds us. He clothes us with his grace. He nourishes us. He visits us while we are sick in our sins. He fulfills all of these beautiful uh, truths of what it is for him to be shepherd to his people. And he calls us to go and to, the, to do the same, to actually have contact with human suffering and human need, to be present to it, and to have that contact then to fulfill this work of the shepherd. Wherever we find this hunger, wherever we find this thirst, wherever we find this loneliness, wherever we find those in prison, wherever we find any of these aspects of human suffering to be present to them in a very real way. And so that when we are confronted by these things, we do not shy away from them, but meet them with the love of God, the love that has already been shown to us through Christ, that the, we then extend from him to others in need. And so we become these instruments of Christ, whereby we continue his wonderful work of kingship his wonderful work of shepherding, and his wonderful work of love and charity. And so it is this that he is calling us into, so that when he does come in his glory, that we will be then separated to the side of the sheep as those who have continued this wonderful work of the shepherd, those who have done his work. I'll close with a final thought from St. Peter Julian Amard. I've, I've probably mentioned it before. But St. Peter Julian Amard, he says, in heaven... The Lord sits on his throne of glory. He says, on earth, 
he is in his throne of love. So he calls the monstrance the throne of love of Christ. Right? So it is where the king himself sits reigning and where we can also then come into his presence. And as we've said so many times before, simply to be in the presence of Christ as we see from what happens at the judgment, where all the things that are in darkness are brought to the light, to be in his presence is to have and then to be sanctified, simply to be close to Christ, where we are present to him and he is present to us. That has a salvific effect on our soul and on our interior. And so if we want to be transformed more and more so that we might accomplish the works of the shepherd, it's a good idea to come and spend time with the shepherd. And so to be formed in his presence, to be formed as he is. And so what happens is we are transformed in his presence into an increase of his likeness. And so if we struggle with charity, with love, if we struggle to accomplish these works, come and spend time with Christ, who then fills us and clothes us with his own power, with his own love, with his own grace, so that we can then go out from his presence and then be present wherever we encounter human weakness, human need, and human suffering. And so as we come today before the Christ who is enthroned here in his throne of love, the throne of the monstrance, as he is present to us here in the Blessed Sacrament, we come before him as our king, acknowledge him to be king, give him the adoration that is due to the king, and in his wonderful presence, which we cannot perceive now with our senses, but we believe by faith in this presence of Christ, we are transformed and we are made ready for his coming in glory. Amen.